listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. It is the bonus hour of Miller and Moulton on this final day of February. Thanks for being with us. Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. If you're just joining us, we talked with David Sampson, top of the 7 o'clock hour. Talked with Jeff Cameron, top of the 8 o'clock hour. If you missed either or both those interviews, download them. Our podcast, readily available, Florida Sports Network. Well, there's no way around it, Mark. FGCU men's basketball season came to an end last night. And for a team that was 13-4 and midway through the season with some quality non-conference wins and off to a 3-1 and start in conference play to lose 11 of their final 15 to finish 10th in the A-Sun and to go out in the play-in round to a school that was a Division II program just last year. Man, what a tale of two seasons. Absolutely. Watched bits and pieces last night. I was flipping between the hockey game and that game. They got down early. It was a close game throughout, but they played from behind for the majority of the game. They held Queens, and it's Queens University in, I believe, is it Charlotte? I know it's in North Carolina. College in Charlotte, I believe. Okay. And they held Queens to 31% shooting from the field and lost, which A, showed how poorly they shot, but also B, that's really tough to do. But if this were the Dan Patrick show, stat of the day, stat of the day, dun, dun. I've never seen this before, Mark, and I'm not kidding. Just like you probably broadcast over 1,000 hockey games, I've done over 1,000 basketball games, men and women. In fact, I may have done 2,000. I've never seen this stat before. Offensive rebounds, 13 to 0. That's really hard to do. They missed 33 shots and couldn't retrieve one of them. They weren't close enough that they couldn't get a bounce, a deflection. David, they missed 24 threes for crying out loud. Those things tend to fly around a little bit. That's a staggering statistic. Out-rebounded by 14 total, 13 nothing on the offensive glass. And that's typically an effort stat. Typically. Yeah, it is. It is. Rebounding and defense are effort stats. And they finally come up with a good defensive effort to hold the team to 31% shooting. I mean, lately during this losing skid, they've been allowing teams to shoot anywhere from 48 to 54% from the field. But now to actually get stops and to get no offensive rebounds and to allow a team that athletically is not any more gifted than you to beat you 13 nothing on the offensive glass wow they have an interesting roster because they have a lot of guys who are quote unquote seniors but who have one more year 
of eligibility remaining. I don't know how many of them could be graduates and therefore be ripe to transfer. I don't. I haven't paid close enough attention. I don't know how the four or five guys who were not honored on senior night but are seniors, because that's the other thing, Mark, you have to pay attention to now. You can have a senior, but they're not honored on senior night because they have a year of eligibility still remaining, and the thought is they're going to spend it here. Of course, they may turn around and spend it somewhere else. They don't have to let you know that yet. And Coach Chambers could tell some of them that might be in their best interest to transfer. Absolutely. I've got guys right. coming in. You're not going to get playing time. Why don't you look to go somewhere else? Yep. That's Thank part of know. how this goes. No doubt about it. There were guys that got a lot of minutes under Coach Chambers who I know for a fact if Coach Fly had gotten year five, they would not have gotten a lot of minutes. Some might have gotten none. So I think this will be a fascinating offseason because clearly something went awry here. Coach Chambers publicly has only said we had a lot of injuries in the second half of the year. When we were whole, when we were healthy, we were 13-4. and four. Down the stretch, we were not healthy. Now, you can sing that tune once. My guess is that's not 100% true. He was just being polite. And now we'll see what he thinks of some of the players that he brought in and transfer, that he inherited from Coach Fly. Uh-huh. And how hard and heavy he'll start hitting the portal. Yep. They had a Juco All-American who tore up his knee and never played a minute. Shackelford, okay, if he sticks around, he was going to be – he's a promising player. They've got the kid that Felipe talked about, MVP of the City of Palms, point guard out of Philly. I mean, you could see, you know, and Felipe, you know his name. We don't. Ramir Barno. You could see Barno. Johnston and Thompson, you know, wicked three guard lineup or two guards and a hell of a wing. You know, if Zach Anderson comes back, I mean, you know, they got two centers and Andre Weir and Dakota Rivers. You know, Dakota's technically a senior. So is Johnston next year. So is Anderson. Okay. You know, I mean, Will these guys stay? Will they leave? Johnson's already transferred once. I think he can only transfer again if he's a graduate, and I don't believe he will be. But, you know, this is the world we live in nowadays. I mean, you, you have you have no idea who the coach is going to bring in over you, and the coach is kind of tenuously holding on going, we think we're keeping everybody? Who do we think's leaving? You know, Cyrus Largy, Mark. He's a kid out of Miami. He was playing... He was starting at the beginning of the year, got hurt, came back, played five to eight minutes a game. Can't imagine he was thrilled with life in the pursuit of happiness when the season ended. Does he stick around for be a fifth-year senior, probably a captain? Or does he go, eh, you know what, I had a good run. I'll finish somewhere else. But whatever the reason, from a great start to a pathetic finish, There's no way to mince words about it. Barely making the A-Sun tournament and getting bounced by Queens College last night. FGCU is done, and it's not even March. For what it's worth, and it turned out not to be worth much, 
FGCU was picked fourth in the coaches poll. They were picked fourth in the media poll. Liberty was picked to win by both the coaches and the media. Liberty finished tied for first with Kennesaw State. For the record, the coaches had Kennesaw eighth and the media had them sixth. The coaches and the media did not have a good preseason poll, Mark. Just like we talk about the college basketball and college football preseason polls and how upon further review, oh boy, yeah, they got Liberty right. I mean, picked them first. They finished tied for first. It's like me picking Chase Elliott in a race, for crying out loud. It's not that tough to pick Liberty. Exactly. It's the last year to do it, by the way. They're leaving the conference in the spring. But for the record, they picked Jacksonville to finish second, and they finished 11th. They picked Jacksonville State to finish third, and they finished 12th. And they picked FGCU to finish fourth, and they finished 10th. So the coaches and the media did not have a good preseason poll, let me tell you. Or three teams really underachieved. There you go. Really underachieved based on the talent that they were supposed to have. Now, for what it's worth, I've talked to two current head coaches in the A-Sun in the last couple of weeks. The one told me, I said, I will not use your names. Honestly, objectively. FGC's talent versus everybody else. Where would you put them? One coach told me third. One coach told me fourth. Now, obviously, talent does not make a team. 13 and four the first half of the year, four and 11 the second half. The four and 11, technically against easier competition than the 13 and four. Because let's face it, the A Sun is not a juggernaut. Although, we'll say out of 32 leagues, it is graded out around 19th or 20th this year, which is actually a touch higher on average than it's been. It's usually in the low 20s, around 22, 23, 24 even, out of 32 conferences the A-Sun is graded out as. You know, the additions of Liberty and Jacksonville, okay, but they've had a couple of D2s that have joined. But anyway, I've looked this year, Ken Palm and other rankings, the A-Sun is graded out 19th or 20th, Mark, out of 32 conferences. A touch tougher than, say, historically over the last seven, eight years. Right. They beat USC first game of the season. They did, who right now is a tournament team. In fact, FGCU is killing USC's net. Killing. Okay. Andy Enfield was rooting for FGCU to continue that 13-4 and run when his team was not a tournament team at the time. A couple of conversations we had, he's like, FGCU's helping our net. Then USC gets their act together. They start winning a bunch of games. FGCU loses 11 of the last 15. Last time I talked to him, he said, hey, get those guys to turn things around. They're killing our net. Pac-12 is killing your net, Andy. Yeah. The Pac-12 is killing your net. I, 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 I'll break this to you gently, but it's the Pac-12 that's doing it. It's not the one game you played against FGCU, although that may not be helping. <laughs> well, right now they got a net in the 200s. They're like, you know. So USC's on the bubble. Let's look at their resume. Holy blank. They lost a home game to a team with a 223 net. But So anyway, it'll be – 
it'll, you know, we have no idea how many FGCU basketball fans there are anymore. But if you're a diehard fan, this will be a riveting offseason. I'll be curious how many stay. Text to the show, 21,000. Did you know FGCU's season ended last night? <laughs> and did you know who they played before we brought it up? And even though we've brought it up three times in the last 10 minutes, can you name the school that they played? <laughs> Hell, name the conference that they're in. Uh, there you have it. Miller and Moulton. So a very disappointing finish. The women, meanwhile, going to, well, be ranked in a top 25 poll that comes out later today. Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. Twenty-one minutes past the hour. Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network, Florida SportsNetwork.com. So the Bills with an announcement in the last half hour. Leslie Frazier, their defensive coordinator. Mark, he just so happens to decide to take a year off from coaching. You don't think that's right before the Bills were going to tell him that you're going to have a year off from coaching? Every Bills fan I know is probably ecstatic right now hearing this news. I heard it all year long from Bills fan. So they announced a few other assistant coaching moves. I don't believe they announced who Leslie Frazier's replacement is going to be at defensive coordinator. So still to be determined. I, who knows? Maybe it could be one of the runner-ups for the Denver defensive coordinator job. I mean, Vance Joseph was the former head coach of the Broncos and can go back and be defensive coordinator. Can't Rex Ryan go back to Buffalo as a defensive coordinator? He could. I don't see that happening. No, I mean, I there have been a lot of interviews for Rex. In fact, there's been one since he left. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe Matt Patricia, Mark. Maybe Matt Patricia. I would think in terms of Sean McDermott came from Ron Rivera and the Carolina coaching tree. So if they don't promote from within, just start looking back seven, eight years ago as to who McDermott was around. Just throwing that out there. Uh, earlier today, the Jaguars turned nearly $33 million of base salary into signing bonuses. So Mr. Khan wrote some checks in doing so, turning salary into bonus. They just created 26 million in cap space. Remember they restructured the two deals yesterday. So you got to figure Jacksonville's who needed to find 31 million in salary cap savings before March 15th has found those savings. Now, Evan Ingram's still a free agent. And, you know, there are other guys. I mean, they just got to the point where, you know, they may have 20 bucks. We'll get a few more answers out of the Jags today. Balky and Peterson are meeting with the media at 1230, so you'll have an idea of where, at least you'll have some idea of what direction they're heading in, depending on how honest 
the powers that be in Jacksonville are with the media this afternoon. Washington placed the first franchise tag of the year. They did so on defensive tackle Deron Payne. He'll make a shade under $19 million. Which had been expected one of the few tags that will probably be issued. We put the over-under at, what, four and a half? And I'm going over. I'm going over. Pat thinks it'll be no more than four. And we'll let Pat Kerwin, oh, by the way, on the show tomorrow. But I'm going over. I don't think the Jags are losing Ingram either. I don't think they want to take a step back with their offense. I think they'll sign Ingram. Ingram has expressed interest that he wants to stay. He was terrific for them. They got a little something working between he and Lawrence. He hasn't resurrected his career yet where he's going to go get big money on the open market from someone. I think it makes sense on both sides for him to stay there. Now, Dalton Schultz, Mike Gusecki, Evan Ingram, they could all be available. If you're Jacksonville, do you like one over the other? Do you like Ingram more because you've got some continuity with him, et cetera? He was a force by the last six. During that winning streak, Evan Ingram was a big factor. They add Calvin Ridley to the offense. You know, how much more does Jacksonville need to add offensively? Or if you're the Jags, do you just devote this offseason to defense, defense, defense? Trevor Lawrence takes another leap and, huh, next thing you know, I mean, seriously, let's just say the offense performs at the same level, only the quarterback's level raises a whole other notch, so therefore he brings the rest of the offense with them. And they turn the defense into a liability into, eh, it's decent, top 15, instead of being top 25 in the league. They turn it into a top 15 defense. They need a pass rush. I'll say that. They really they could only get to the quarterback if they blitzed. And there are virtually no edge guys in free agency, and it's not a great draft for that. I mean, that's it's that is a really difficult area to improve on this offseason, David. Especially when you're drafting 24th. I mean, you gotta find something like the Chiefs last year with the kid from Purdue. Late first round, they hit on it. But there were more people who could rush the passer in last year's draft. But so anyway, some business with the Jack. A week today, by the way. Teams have seven days now. They have till Tuesday, March seventh, to place the tags. So a lot of them will wait until March seventh. But just saying, you know, the first tag's now been administered. Is anybody else going to follow suit sooner rather than later? Or are they all going to wait another week? And Baltimore will wait the longest. Right? It's I, I, I guess, but, I mean, they're so far apart. I, I mean, I don't see – it will shock me of all the guys, literally, Mark, of all the players that have been mentioned as possible franchise taggies. Lamar would shock me the most if he and the team came to a deal. They are reportedly $100 million in guaranteed money apart. I don't see how you close that in two weeks. And now you're down to a week. Would you just tag him now and try to trade him? Or would you just tag him and say he's playing for me next year? Well, I would tag him and then... 
you know, he'll probably threaten to hold out. And then between now and the draft, my guess is some teams will call. But I'm definitely tagging him. First off, by the way, you can tag him and then still sign him. I mean, that's just protecting it so that he can't leave and you get nothing. I mean, that's all. You can exclusive tag him. You can non-exclusive tag him. But no, I'm, I'm tagging him. I'd have it done already. I don't see any reason why to wait if you're that far off. And then I'd wait to, okay, is Atlanta as serious as we're hearing they are? By the way, I'm exclusive tagging uh, Lamar. Yeah, I'm not losing him. I, I, no, I'm not. No, I, I just want somebody to call up and say, okay, you know, you own him. Here's what we'll give you for him. Oh, okay. Sounds good. I don't want to have to get into having to match a competing offer and what have you, because then, you know, and I might not get the compensation, quite frankly, that I could if I work out a side trade where I might be able to get more. I mean, if you think about it, if some team wants to take Lamar Jackson off the Ravens' hands, Mark, that means they're also committing to paying him, which means they're committing to Lamar Jackson for like the next five to seven years to be their quarterback. They're going to give up a lot. That's a rest-of-the-decade acquisition. This is our guy. Yeah, you're going to get more than two ones. Yes. You may not get three, but you may get two and other players. A player's, a couple other picks in there, absolutely. If we're talking about this compensation to move up in the draft for a guy who was an MVP, it starts at two ones and maybe two twos and goes from there. I mean, heck, if the just two years ago, if the right to draft Trey Lance was worth three first round picks, what the heck is Lamar Jackson worth? I understand Trey Lance is about two hundred million cheaper. He also may be two hundred million less good. And we may never even find out how less good he is. <laughs> right. Depending on how quickly Brock Purdy gets healthy. Well, first he has to have the surgery. He hasn't even had it yet. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Today was a day when what's on tap. All still next right here. Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network. Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. Home stretch, 22 minutes before the hour, 17 until we're out of here. Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. Seth Everett, Pat Kerwin, among those who will join us on the show tomorrow. So there. We warned you. Yes. Very lively 8 o'clock hour. Before then, eh, we'll see. First day of March, hump day. We'll figure it out. But right now, it is time for... It's time for someone to take back this segment, if for no other reason than to stop David from talking about Meghan and Harry. Here's Mark Miller with Today Was the Day When. 
Should be a big day in your household, David. It was today in 1784 that John Wesley charters the Methodist Church. Yep, I brought that up to her this morning. I said, hey, it's a big day for you. She said, yeah, a lot's happened since then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get in line. <laughs> 1827, the first commercial railroad in the U.S., the Baltimore and Ohio Railroad is chartered. You know, the B&O, space on Monopoly. Today in 1849, the first boatload of gold rush prospectors arrive in San Francisco from the East Coast. Today in 1878, Congress overrides Rutherford B. Hayes' veto of the Bland-Ellison Act requiring the Treasury to buy a certain amount of silver and put it into circulation as silver dollars. 1940, the first televised basketball game. Huh, who was it? The University of Pitts beats Fordham. Hmm, okay. Uh, 1959, Ollie Madsen got traded to the Rams by the Chicago Cardinals for nine players. Herschel wasn't the first, David. Today in 1960, the U.S. wins gold in ice hockey, beating Czechoslovakia 9-4 at Squaw Valley. Jack would win the PGA today in 71. Okay, now think about that. It's February 28th, and yes, the PGA was played. Wasn't it played in Florida? PGA National. There were a few of those, if you look around, that the PGA was played at different times because they wanted to put it on different courses and what have you. I, You know, they've moved it now to May. We talked about this. We think it brings in, if they want, they could maybe bring Florida into the equation. They could bring Arizona into the equation if they wanted. We do think there are parts. They're going to Texas, I think, in a few years. Texas hasn't hosted a major, I think, since the late 60s. So I do think, Mark, the PGA moving to mid-third week of May does open up courses in a couple of other parts of the country. Agree 100%. Big day in 83 for both of us, David. You two released War, right? And after that, maybe you played the album or cassette. Not sure which you would have bought that day. But that night... The final episode of MASH aired. Do you remember how long it was? Two hours. 125 million people watched in the United States. 77% of the television viewing audience watched MASH. That was a record at that time. More than World Series and Super Bowls and Oscars and the whole deal. And in 2012, at the 54th Daytona 500, after a stoppage for two hours because of rain and fuel on the track, Matt Matt Kenseth would go on to win the race. Those born today that are no longer with us, pretty big list. Bugsy Siegel, Hayden Fry, golf analyst Peter Alice, Stones guitarist Brian Jones, Frank Bonner. I only did this for David and I. may have no idea who that is. It was Herb Tarlick. Thank you. Bubba Smith. Gilbert Godfrey and Mark Pavlich, all born today. Those celebrating birthdays, 
Mario Andretti is 83. Bernadette Peters is 75. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat is 70. Brian Billick is 69. Adrian Dantley is 68. Friend of the show, Jared Bednar is 51. Eric Lindros is 50. And Luca, Philly's boy, is 24 years old today. 24. What's his career average? Predi- like 20- I'll make your prediction, Felipe. Luca asked to be traded before his 25th birthday. Ooh. A little first round exit this year. Cause some yep. turmoil. Kyrie leaves, goes to the Lakers. Luca takes a look around at what they do in the offseason. They get off to a rough start next year. Luca says, get me the heck out of here. They're one and three since they got Kyrie. And that's today was the day when. What did I miss, David? Uh, let me tell you, we've got a lot going on today. Uh, DNA distru- discovered today, 70 years ago. Huh. Uh, Waco was 30 years ago today. And uh, Pope Benedict resigned 10 years ago today. It's not often that a pope says, yeah, I'm good. It's like, you know, you got this job for life. It's like the Supreme Court. He's like, no, I'm good, actually. Wasn't he the only pope ever to resign? Yes. Uh, Or the first one since, like, the third or fourth century. 600 years, yes. Okay. He was the first one to say, I'm good. Yeah. Now, he was 85 at the time. He knew when he got the gig, though, it was for life. Correct. That's part of the deal. Right. I mean, how many Supreme Court justices do you see give it up? You know, No, they die. They die, you know. Scalia died on vacation. You know, RBG there. She died. She didn't give it up. She died. Not giving that gig up. Not, it, it, we give it to you for life, which means death. You've heard folks elsewhere mock Florida is gonna Florida. Well, Mark Miller sees it differently. He calls it the good, the bad, and the ugly. What you got, Mark? I hope everybody just took that line in for what it was worth. We give you life, which means death. Well, it's a fair foul pole. How do we want to interpret this? It's the foul pole. Well, if the ball hits it, it's fair. We go to Sanibel for the good. What happened early this morning, the Sanibel Lighthouse has been lit again. All right. Five months since Ian and the Sanibel Lighthouse is lit. Now let's work on the rest of Sanibel and Fort Myers Beach. Uh, For the bad, we go to Newark where... Saratis Clouton tried to board a Newark flight just before the end of last year. He attempted to board the flight with an AR-15, handguns, a taser, and a fake U.S. Marshals badge. Well, he went to the right airport to try to not get caught. It was a flight destined for Fort Lauderdale. TSA agents discovered two Glock magazines. In addition to all of the guns, he was arrested on the spot and could get 10 years and a fine of up to $250,000. Got to admit, man. I mean, they make you throw out your bottle of water. You think you're getting an AR-15 and 
couple of Glocks through. I mean, I know it's Newark and they're a little lax in security there, but man, that's a lot all at one time. I mean, one of them I could see, but all of it at one time. For the ugly, we go to Benel, Florida, where a routine traffic stop turned into a drug bust. Both uh, Anthony Pezza and Tiffany Chapman, who were pulled over in the car, were asked to exit the vehicle and asked if they had any narcotics in the position, to which they both said no. No, of course not. Upon searching the vehicle, they found various drugs and drug paraphernalia. What? And it was at that point that Chapman decided to let the officer know that she had some drugs on her person as well. When they searched her at the jail... From her body cavity, she had 11 grams of meth. Oh, boy. They'll do some time in another day in Florida in the good, the bad, and the ugly on February the 28th, 2023. Is this where when the officers ask you, do you have any drugs on you, do you go, what do you mean by on you? Which usually brings some unnecessary attention onto oneself. Which pocket are you speaking of? Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. What do you mean by on you? On me? No. In me? Maybe. Possibly. Possibly. Mm-hmm. Uh, ten games in the NBA tonight. And ten games in the NHL. How about that? Um... TNT doubleheader, Lakers and Memphis early. No LeBron, hurt foot, going to miss a few weeks. Just when the Lakers got to within a half a game of the play-in. Take a look at the Lakers' schedule the next two weeks. I don't know how many times they're going to be favored, to be honest with you. Uh, the nightcaps, Minnesota and the Clippers. Minnesota stuck in the play-in. They're not getting out. Uh, Mark, I'm just throwing this out there because this is the, you know, Negative part of me. The Spurs have lost 16 in a row. And yet they don't have the worst record in the league. Which tells you how bad Houston is. Spurs are in Utah. They've lost 16 straight. 16 in a row. Yeah. And if you take a look at their schedule the rest of the way. I don't know if they'll be favored in more than... They have like a home-and-home with Houston. They may literally only be favored in one of their remaining games. And Pop, I mean, they are clearly tanking. Clearly. I mean, Pop, not they're not even hiding it. So, anyway, got that going for you. College hoops tonight. Gators are a two-point favorite at Georgia. Their NCAA hopes are... Done. done. They got to win the SEC tournament. That's the only chance they they have. They do. Uh, It's interesting, though. Would you lay the two on the road with the Gators? I mean, they lost their best player. They haven't won a game since they lost their best player. Georgia sucks. I understand. Well, Georgia has a winning record. Florida doesn't. It's interesting. Uh, Iowa at Indiana. Who's Fran going to stare down tonight? 7 o'clock on ESPN2. That was something. Okay, more out of line. C.J. Buckner not shaking the Cardinals manager's hand or Fran McCaffrey with the two-minute stare down. 
Well, more right out of line. More out of line is the umpire because that's. But what McCaffrey did, he should have gotten teed up for it. It's intimidating a referee. It, it's clear. It's a clear tee by the rules if he wanted to call it. And by the way, that would have been a second technical. He would have been gone because he'd gotten teed up earlier. I give that official a ton. Of I'm with credit. you. He didn't make it about him, even though Fran McCaffrey was acting like an ass. Uh, Ten games in the NHL tonight, including Panthers at Lightning. It's for ten games. There's not a lot of great games on the schedule. Panthers and Lightning is the best game of the night. Except, but I, but I will say, you got the Bruins in action. The Bruins are playing their sixtieth game of the season. They've lost eight in regulation. They're in Calgary, who's fighting for their playoff lives, four points out of the playoffs right now. Uh, by the way, bet of the night, your wings. Back-to-back at Ottawa. They play them again tonight, don't they? Yes, they do. And Ottawa's minus 130. I get the wings as an underdog. Do you really think they're losing back-to-back games to Ottawa? And they played – they got worked last night. I watched the game. They'll have a better effort tonight. It's I their season, so. by the way. Yes. I think I'm throwing a few shekels on the wings tonight. So there you have a little bit of what's on tap tonight in and around college sports. Well, come on now. A-Sun, Sun Belt, Patriot League, and Horizon. Quarterfinal action in four small conference tournaments. A-Sun at the play-in games last night. But quarterfinals, A-Sun, Sun Belt, Patriot League, Horizon. Horizon first round, that Antoine Davis, who's trying to pass Maravich, playing in the Horizon. Needs to win tonight to have a chance to pass Maravich later in the week. Playing for Detroit Mercy. That Sun Belt gets going at six. That's my kind of conference, David. <laughs> I don't know what I'll do. I got something to watch for a half hour before Marquette and Butler get going on <laughs> Big East TV. I don't want to say you're old, but when the A-Sun 7 o'clock starts are a little late for you. Uh, Miller and Malton. Seth Everett, Pat Kerwin, and a hump day edition tomorrow. Join us then. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening. Miller and Malton, Florida Sports Network.